Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Awesome, guys. Thank you. That's going to be a song from our Christmas program. How many of you know that's going to be great, the Christmas celebration? All right. If you're ready for the Word, will you stand for the reading of God's Word? If you're ready, shout, I'm ready. Uh, you know, I've quoted this scripture my entire ministry. Many of you know it out of Psalms 34, 1. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times, and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And that's a great scripture. But how many of you would be honest enough to say sometimes that's easier said than done? Oh, I think I must have hit a religious nerve. How many of you understand this? That when you got saved, not only did you get peace, you got war. And sometimes you have to bless the Lord when you don't even feel like it. And I believe I'm on assignment today because I have made up in my mind that I'm gonna have his praise continually be in my mouth. And, and what I see or what I face is not going to detract or distract or affect my praise because he's worthy even when I don't understand what I'm going through. So I, I believe I have a download from Exodus 25 today. We're doing this series, we're in this series called Adore Him, You by Livestream. Thanks for hanging out with us. It says in the 17th verse, you shall make a mercy seat. Somebody say mercy seat. A pure gold, two and a half cubics shall be its length and a cubic and a half shall be its width. And you shall make two cherubim angels of gold of hammered work, note that. You shall make them at two ends of the mercy seat. Make one cherub at one end and the other cherub at the other end. You shall make the cherub at the two ends of it with one piece with the mercy seat. And the cherubim shall stretch out their wings above, covering the mercy seat with their wings. They shall face one to another. The faces of the cherubim shall be toward the mercy seat. You shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark. Seems to be all about the mercy seat, doesn't it? And in the ark, you shall put the testimony that I will give you. And there I will meet with you. And I will speak to you from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, about everything which I shall give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Just follow along on the screen and look at Job chapter 1, verse 13. Now, there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them when the Sabians raided and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone 
have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came in and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, Shaved his head. And he fell on the ground. And he worshiped. And he said, Naked have I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Bless it be the name of the Lord. Kind of puts a new perspective on I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. The Bible says in Exodus 25, 17, you shall make a, somebody say it, mercy seat. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes along these lines. The best seat in the house. The best seat in the house is not a preacher's seat. The best seat in the house is not a seat that we reserve for dignitaries and big givers. The best seat in the house is a mercy seat. Anybody need the mercy seat today? If you need the mercy seat, slip up two hands. We're going in deep water today. Father, release anointing and favor as I teach your word. Show us that you are bigger than our circumstances, that you are worthy in every season, that you are God in every situation. I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost coming to break yokes that the enemy has placed on people, deceiving people, making people think that where they are is where they're going. Lord, we declare that today as we build a mercy seat that you will inhabit our praise. We thank you for your goodness in Jesus' name. Somebody give the Lord a good praise, come on. Be seated, the best seat in the house. You shall make a mercy seat. Somebody say mercy seat. You tuning in by live stream, you who came today, you're going to be real glad that you heard this revelation from heaven. Never forget that the greatest seat in the house is not the seat that we reserve for the preacher. It's not a preacher's seat. It's not a seat that we reserve for those that we consider to be important. The most urgently needed seat in the house is the mercy seat. I want you to hang with me for a few minutes because I'm going to tie these two illustrative chapters that I read together. But I want to preface this teaching today by asking you, have you ever brought God battered worship? Have you ever brought God wounded worship? Have you ever worshiped the Lord when you didn't feel like it and it wasn't easy? It's when you have a Job experience. Maybe not that to that degree, maybe not to that level, but it's when you have an experience that is hurting and it's a time when you are wounded, but in spite of what you see, in spite of what you feel, in spite of what it looks like and in spite of what you've experienced, you still bring God worship. If you haven't done that, keep living. 
Because there will come a time when you will worship when it's not easy. You ever been there? Wounded but still worshiping. Struggling but still worship. Broke but still worshiping. My family is acting crazy but I'm still worshiping. I didn't like the doctor's report but I'm still worshiping. I'm feeling discouraged and depressed, but I'm still worshiping. My husband talked about me and talked to me like I wasn't anything to him, but I'm still worshiping. My wife walked out on me, but I'm still worshiping. See, Joe brought the Lord wounded worship, and every worshiper, real worshiper in the kingdom will do so eventually. I, I must tell you that there are days and there are times when you will worship the Lord, when your circumstances tell you a different story, when your circumstances will tell you don't do it, when your situations will tell you to keep your mouth quiet, don't worship today. Day. But Job dealt with the worst news imaginable. And the Bible says that in the 20th verse that he arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped him. See, worship is this. It means to prostrate. It means to bow down before God. It's you acknowledging God's superiority. It's you saying, God, I don't understand why I got to face what I got to face, but I'm still going to decree with my life and my actions that you are worthy of my worship. Job was a wounded worshiper. He was wounded, but he was worshiping. Some pastors won't preach to you like this. Some pastors won't tell you that there will be days that you don't understand. Why am I going through what I'm going through? I've served you, Lord. I've been faithful to you. I've believed in you, but I'm in a storm that I didn't anticipate. Job is a wounded worshiper. He's broken, but he's worshiping. He's battered, but he's worshiping. He's emotionally bleeding, but he brought it all to God and he worshiped him. If anybody knew what it was to bless the Lord at all times, it had to be Job. He didn't let his situation rob him of the reality that God was still worship worthy. We think God is only worship worthy when we're getting what we want. We think God is only worship worthy when we're able to use him and say, you know, you're, you're not just God, you're my sugar daddy. And as long as you're performing the way I want you to perform, I'm going to worship you. But sometimes you have to cross over and say, God, I'm going to trust you when I can't trace you. I'm going to worship you even in situations that seem dark. And as believers, y'all, we bring God glory on three levels and in three ways as it relates to worship and praise. Number one, there's the act of thanksgiving. You say, Pastor, what is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is praise and worship, and, and, and it's based on, on giving or what God has done for you personally. So anytime that you bring thanksgiving to God, you're thanking him for what he has done personally. But then there is praise. What, what is praise? Praise is something you offer to God for what he has done for you in general. So Thanksgiving says, God, I'm going to praise you for what you've done for me personally. I wonder if there's anybody here who would admit that God has done some things for you personally. 
Why don't you give God some personal thanks now for every personal thing that he did for you, that he did it just for you, that you know God did it for you. But praise is more of a general praise. Praise declares, I praise you for your powerful acts. But worship is another dimension. Worship is something you bring to God, not for what he does, but for who he is. Praise declares, I praise you for your powerful acts. I praise you for your mighty works, for your healing, for your deliverance, for your victory, for your peace. Thanksgiving says, I want to thank you, God, for what you've done for me. Thank you for my home. Thank you for my bed. Thank you for my shoes. Thank you for the food on my table. Thank you for things that you have done for me. I thank you for the tangible things that are substantial in my life. But worship, worship is another level worship says this you are worthy of my worship even if i didn't have shoes you are worthy of my worship even if i didn't have a house you are worship worthy the devil wants to make you think just because you hit a hiccup or a hard time or a discouraging season that God is not worship worthy. But I've come to tell you in everything, give him thanks. He's working it out. He's working in ways you don't even know. Praise and thanksgiving can be verbalized faith. I want to teach just a minute. Praise and thanksgiving can be ver verbalized faith. If you thank God and praise God after the fact, that's gratitude. Anybody can praise God after you've got what you want. Anybody can praise God when you're seeing what you want to see. But watch this. If you thank God and praise God before something great happens, that's faith. That's verbalizing your faith. And sometimes your praise is brought to God in total faith in God. Not because what you're believing for has happened, but you're praising in faith. And you're saying, God, even though I don't have it yet, you are still worthy of my praise. Sometimes your praise is a verbalized faith. Sometimes the people around you who are making the most noise that you are absolutely convinced they are walking in the greatest plane of victory they are actually the ones that are going through the greatest fights of their life and they have not yet possessed the promise but their praise is their verbalized faith and they're saying God this praise isn't praising you because I have it yet this praise is praising you because I believe that whatever you said you were able to do you can do it in my life and on my behalf that's when you know you're a worshiper. I don't even have it, but I'm going to praise you anyway. I don't even possess it, but I'm going to give you glory anyway. And when you are a worshiper, see, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be more than a church attender. I want to be more than someone who just comes in the house to hang out with folk who believe what I believe. I want to be a worshiper. When you are a worshiper, you respond and seek after one thing. You get hungry for his presence and you don't want it just on Sunday morning. You just don't want it at church time. You just don't don't want it in second service there's something inside of you that says I will bless the Lord at all times 
That's when you got to have him on Monday and you got to have him on Wednesday night. That's when you got to have him when you're taking your kids to the doctor. That's when you got to have him when everything is going wrong and nothing seems to be going right. You bring him worship even when it's wounded. You bring him worship even when all hell is breaking loose in your life. That's when you know you're a worshiper. I feel like I gathered today with some thunderstorm coming to church worshipers who said, I came because I need him. Did anybody come today because you need him? Now, now let's make the connection between Job and Exodus. Let's learn today. It says in verse 22 that there I will meet with you and I will speak to you from above the mercy seat. From above where? Where? from between the two cherubim which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. Now remember, at this time man is separated from God. Christ has not come yet and become our propitiation and our restoration. So at this time only one man, one time a year, had access to the presence of God and that was only on the day of atonement. This Old Testament wilderness tabernacle, if you understand it, everything is a type or a shadow. It's a clue of what would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ in the New Testament. But this Old Testament tabernacle, the tabernacle of Moses, is it, it, it's divided up into three parts, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies. And the Holy of Holies is the place behind the veil. It's the place where the Ark of the Covenant was. It was the place of the presence of God. And only the high priest one time a year had access and could go behind that veil. And it was only on the day of atonement. And he would come behind that veil with a blood offering for the mercy seat, an offering for sin. And the mercy seat sat on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And this mercy seat was the resting place of God. Somebody say mercy seat. I want to ask you today, aren't you glad that God still sits on a mercy seat? I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that he's not sitting today on a judgment seat. If he sat on a judgment seat, all would be lost. If he sat on a judgment seat, not one of us would be here today. If he gave us what we deserve, not one of us would be in the room. But God does not sit on a judgment seat. He sits on a mercy seat. I'm only Pastor Jim Rayleigh because of the mercy seat. Any title that I have, I've only received it because of the mercy of God. You can sit out there if you want to and act like I'm not teaching the truth, but there's not one of us that would be here today were it not for the mercy seat of the Lord. Hallelujah. Because we all need mercy. I said we all need mercy. I said we all need mercy. If you knew where I came from, if you knew some of the stuff I've done, would you still call me pastor? Would you still want to hear me preach? Would you still walk in the room? Would you respond? Would you want me to lay hands on you when you were sick? If you knew where I came from, but I'm telling you I'm only here because he sits on a mercy seat and not on a judgment seat. We all need mercy. Tell your neighbor, we all need mercy. 
God told Moses, he said, here's what happened. He said, I'm going to commune with you. I'll meet with you between the cherubim. Cherubim are worshiping angels, heavenly being, the ones who bless and praise and adore. These angels represent worship, heavenly worship. And the Lord said in the midst of these two worshiping angels, he said, I'm going to meet with you at the mercy seat. So, so hear me. He said, I'll commune with you. Commune is a very powerful word in the Hebrew. It literally means I'll meet with you. I'll speak with you. I'll declare. I'll converse. I'll command. I'll promise and I'll sing. He said, but every access you have to me will only take place at the mercy seat. The only access you have to me is at the mercy seat. And the Lord rested on that seat of mercy. Now before the Old Testament, high priest entered behind that veil. He would take some of that incense of worship. The incense of worship, it's, it's, it was a picture of your worship and my worship that would carry us into the presence of God. But in the Old Testament, they would make this incense of worship and burn it over the altar of worship. And that priest, when he he was going to go behind the veil he carried with him a bowl of blood for the mercy seat but before he went back there he would take some of that incense of worship and put it in a censer and he would thrust that censer behind the veil that veil woven about 15 inches thick he would put that he would put that censer behind that veil and that smoky worship would feel where the presence of God was and then he would carry with him a bowl of blood hallelujah and then he was dripping in oil thank the Lord so he accessed the presence of the Lord with the blood and the oil and the smoky worship he couldn't get into God's presence without the blood and the oil and the smoky worship. And I'm telling you, in 2018, the truth still remains. If you want to come into God's presence, you can't come in unless you have the blood of Jesus Christ. It gives you access, not your denomination not your education not your goodness it's the blood it's the blood on the mercy seat that gives you access but check it out it's also oil oil that priest was anointed with a an uncommon anointing oil covered his head psalms 133 says from the top of his head to the beard to the skirts of his garment he walked in there dripping in oil carrying blood oil represents the holy spirit anytime you come to god you come because the Holy Spirit draws you. You said, not me, Pastor. I got saved when I got ready. I came to God when I got ready. That is a lie straight from hell. Nobody gets saved when they get ready. The only time they come to God is when the convictor, the Holy Spirit, releases the oil in the house and you are drawn into the presence of God. It's still that way. You got to have the blood and you got to have the Holy Spirit. I know that lots of churches don't want those kind of messages. They don't want to talk about the blood. They want no manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you at Calvary, as long as I have breath, as long as I'm the man who stands and preaches the word, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. We got to have the oil and we got to have the blood. But let me tell you, it was in the cloud of worship. It was when he put that 
sensor behind there and the smoke began to fill that place and the presence of God manifested. He was carrying in blood, dripping in oil, meeting God in the cloud of worship. Hallelujah. And in that moment, there was a heavenly collision between worship and mercy. Ha! Worship and mercy got together. There was a worshiper that came back there carrying blood and worship and mercy got together. It's still that way. We still need the blood. We still need the Holy Spirit. And we need more than a song service. We need more than good singing. We need more than preliminaries. We need more than paid musicians and good singers. What we need is an encounter that will give us access to the healer, the deliverer, the provider, and the way maker. Uh. It was the incense of worship and the mercy seat together that produced the presence of God. It was the incense of worship. We are after the presence of God. When you worship him, you are facilitating a mercy seat. Mercy acknowledges that we are not worthy, y'all, but worship acknowledges that he is. Hallelujah. To achieve God's presence, you know what's gotta happen, baby? Mercy and worship have got to get together. And you can't have one without the other. There's some of y'all saying, preacher, I can't worship because I have too many blemishes. I can't worship because I have too many issues. I can't worship because I have too many problems. I can't worship because I've made too many compromises in my past. My past keeps me from worshiping. But let me tell you something. The enemy will stand off and tell you you cannot worship because you are not worthy. But understand me, precious, we don't worship God because we're worthy. We worship God because he's worthy. Stop trying to become worthy in and of yourself. You will never have access because of your goodness. Hallelujah, mercy and worship, hand in hand. You show me a church where they worship and I'll show you a church where there's mercy. You show me a house of mercy, I'll show you a place where they worship. You show me a place where people get saved, I'll show you a place where they worship. You show me a place where people are healed, freed and delivered, I'll show you a place where they worship. You show me a place where there's real worship, I'll show you a place where people know how to worship and praise the Lord and manifest mercy mercy because when we worship mercy makes us grateful hallelujah I worship over the goodness of God I worship because he's been a way maker for me I worship also because he is worthy now watch this the wings of the cherubim and Moses that Moses built touched each other and as they covered that ark and that mercy seat, the presence of God would sit right there. Now I want you to understand this. It was those worshiping angels in position. And then it was the, it was the blood sprinkled over the ark, over the mercy seat, and the Lord would sit there. But understand, when these angels, when their angelic wings touched, it represented unity. And it was there in true worship. And it was there, uh, it, it was there is true, and where there is true worship and real mercy, there will be unity. Bring that picture back up. 
It was when those angels' wings touched in worship that unity manifested. Hear me in this room. That's why in this jacked up, divided, messed up world, Calvary must remain strong. We must remain a house of worship. We gotta be a place where all kinds of people come together. We gotta be a place where there's white folks, black folks, red folks, yellow folks. We got to be a place where there's African Americans, where there's Hispanics, where there's Anglos. We got to be a place where there's rich folk and poor folk. We got to be a place where there's educated and illiterate, where there is, there is the elite and the homeless. We got to be a place where worshipers come together. Because once worshipers come together, we decide then and there. There is something greater that unites us than there is that divides us. Where are the worshipers in the house who want to get it together? Tell your neighbor, get it together. Get it together. If you can't come to me and come with me and get with me on nothing else, surely we can connect in the presence of the Lord. We gotta have unity. We can't undermine our own message and be in discord in the very house of the Lord. The mercy seat in the ark was only a representation of God's true throne in the third heaven. When, and let me just say that. I know I'm going deep today, but if you understand the third heaven, the first heaven in the Bible represents the earth. The second heaven is the firmament. It's the clouds. But the third heaven is where God's throne is. And the Bible said that the seraphim, the angels, and the cherubim worshiped there. Seraphim in heaven, they had six wings. With two, they covered their face. With two, the Bible said, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And the cherubims are the ones that we think of. Those are the, are the double-winged angels. These are seraphims also that represent the, the ones that are on each side of the throne. Several above it in heaven and several beneath it. And they are worshiping God. And the truth is, Jesus said, when you pray, pray thy kingdom come thy will be done and what that old testament wilderness tabernacle was was the lord wanting there to be an atmosphere the same atmosphere that was in heaven he wanted to, to, it to invade earth and and i want to reveal to you today the truth is that we still need the presence of god to invade the earth I still believe that we've got to have God's presence in the house. Now, these mercy seat, angelic worshiping cherubim, watch this, I want to show you a couple things. Number one, they were made of pure gold, refined by the fire. The Bible said you shall make a mercy seat of pure gold. Pure gold is refined by the fire. When you refine something, you're making it finer. You're making it better. And I want you to remember today that pure worship is worship that has been refined by the fire. May I be plain this morning? I know you ain't shouting, but sometimes you need to listen. Sometimes you need to get a word in your spirit. I want you to understand that sometimes you've never really worshiped until you worship through the fire. 
Anybody can worship when it's easy, but sometimes when you worship through the fire, that's real worship. Before those heavenly, before those earthly angelic figures could become what God destined them to become, they had to go through the fire. He knew that it was in the fire that they would be refined. It was in the fire where they would be made pure. It was in the fire where they would be made more better and more suitable and more usable. The gold didn't become pure until it went through the fire. And sometimes we don't become pure until we go through the fire. Sometimes we don't become what God wants us to become until we go through the fire. The Lord, the, you see, the devil's trying to tell you that your fire is going to destroy you. But God said, I'm making you better in the fire. That fire had a purpose, hallelujah. And I wanna tell you, even your fire has a purpose. What you're going through, you're going through it for a reason. God has an agenda. God is working things out. He's not gonna take you through trouble and waste the trouble that you go through. He's not gonna take you through the fire and waste the fire that you've been through. Malachi said, but who shall endure in the day of his coming and who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. If you know anything about the refiner, the refiner in the Old Testament and Bible days, he would refine the gold. The gold would be heated up so hot, that metal would be heated up so hot that he literally would build like a dock around it and he would get himself a beam. And as that gold would boil, as that metal would boil, he would scrape the dross off and all the impurities that were there would rise to the top and he would take that those beam and skim off the impurities and the last thing to be separated were the lesser metals metals like iron metals like copper all these things that had tried to blend with the gold that made it less valuable in the fire in the fire it had to be released but the last thing that the gold gave up was silver some of y'all say well i'm in that place silver is okay but hear me in this room god does not intend on you holding on to copper or iron or 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 silver they're, they're, they're the only way the refiner can know that the gold was ready because there is something about gold when it is pure the the refiner could look over it and see the reflection of himself in it some of y'all think your fire is going to kill you it's going to destroy you but let me tell you every fire that you've been through is only making you more like Jesus if the devil had any sense about him he'd leave your family alone he wouldn't touch you he wouldn't touch your marriage because everything you're going through is making you more like Jesus Somebody give the Lord a praise in here right now. Not everybody can hang with me on this message. Huh. There are some things that are changed when you go through the fire. Ugh. You behave differently when you go through the fire. You treat people kinder when you go through the fire. You're not trying to judge everybody when you go through the fire. You can tell people that have been through it, baby. You can tell people that have been through it and come out on the other side more like the Lord. 
hear me in this room. There are some things that are changed in us and released in the fire, and they're obvious, but then there are some other things that we release that keep us from following God into our very best. Silver was the last thing. See, silver was good, but gold was best. Silver was good, but gold was best. And to really be purified, the heat had to be turned up. And we often have a hard time separating good from best. We want to say it's okay, it's just good. But God hasn't called you to good. God has called you to best. I've made up in my mind I ain't stopping at a false finish line. Lord, I refuse to be satisfied with good. I'm on my way to best. I'm on my way to best. Everything that I've encountered that has tried to destroy me, devil, you better hear me. What you thought was going to kill me is taking me from good to best. Every time we leave this house, we can say it's good, but I'm not just looking for good, I'm looking for best. I wanna worship him until he finds me irresistible. I wanna worship him until he knows that I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want to worship him when I'm up and worship him when I'm down. I want to worship him when it's going good and I want to worship him when it's going bad. I want to lose my concern for pleasing men and my worry and anxiety about what folk think of me and I want to be a worshiper that worships the Lord in spirit and in truth where I will say, oh God, let me bring you what you're worthy of even if I'm struggling Today, you're taking me from good to best. You say, well, Pastor Rayleigh, I get concerned about you because, you know, you have a tendency once in a while to behave in an undignified fashion. Pastor Rayleigh, you don't take all that. I've watched other pastors, they don't act like you. I've watched other churches and they don't behave that way. I've watched other worship leaders, they don't act like John worships. Why does John have to run all over the stage and why does he have to sing bass, alto, soprano, and tenor? Come on somebody, all in the same song service. Why y'all have to act the way you act? But I'm telling you, I've made up in my mind, I wanna modify my life until my life magnifies him. I want to lose my concern of what people think of me. Pastor, what about the dignity? Pastor, don't, aren't, aren't, you, you know you have a title now, Pastor. You have opportunities now. You have relationships now. What about your dignity, Pastor? Let me tell you what I know. I know that it is time that we put his deity over our dignity. It is time for a worshiper to say, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm gonna bless him today. How many of you are ready to put his deity over your dignity? Last Sunday, we had an absolutely monumental manifestation of the power of God. I prayed for people in early service. I got so many, uh, right in the middle of my message, when I got over, I, I started laying hands on people and prophesying. Got so many emails, people supernaturally healed. One lady sat on the third row. I called her up. I rebuked blindness off of her and spoke healing in her body. I didn't know her situation, but she's been legally blind. She said, I haven't been able to see people's faces. 
I haven't been able to see signs on the road. She said, but after service, she said, I was talking to a lady named Kim Freeman and I realized as I was talking to her that suddenly I was making out her face and I could see who it was. And as I was riding home, I started being able to read the signs on the road. You say, what happened? I'm saying we got a little bit free and God showed up in our presence when we worshiped him. See, there are those that can't understand your worship even now because worship in the fire, anybody in the fire or been in the fire or worship in the fire makes no sense in the natural, but you need to worship anyway. God has used my fire to refine me and make me better. And let me tell you this, I'm trying to hurry, but I have only lost in the fire what I didn't need anyway. I... Mm, I only lost what I didn't need anyway. And somebody's in the fire right now, but I'm telling you, don't jump out of the fire. Worship him anyway, because you're moving from good to best. God is taking you to a new level. He's taking you to a new dimension. He's taking you to a new place. So stop trying to say, God, I'm going to die here. No, when you come out of this, hell is going to rue the day that it ever messed with you, that it ever tormented your mind, because you're going to be able to say, God, you used it to take me from good to best. I don't want to go through stuff and waste what I've been through. Let me come through better. Sometimes you got to bring God battered worship. Have you ever brought God battered worship? See, God still requires mercy seat worshipers that are formed of gold, tried by the fire, and conformed into his image. Because the Bible says that this, these worshipers, he said, you shall take two cherubim of gold, of beaten work, of hammered work. We want to see, it would make more sense to me that these angels be precast, that they be a cast work. But God said, no, these angels are going to be a hammered work. They're going to be a beaten work. He said, I'm not going to cast them. I'm not going to build a cast and pour hot gold into it and it'd be an easy thing. He said, no, I want you to beat these worshiping angels into position. I want you to let them go through what they got to go through to get in to position. Help me, Holy Spirit. God still requires mercy seat worshipers to be tried, to be formed of gold and tried in the fire and conformed into his image, into his desire. Conformed means beaten into his desired image. And some of you have been through a season where you feel like you've been broken. Some of you have had times in your life mm, where you feel like you've been broken and the devil said, I'm going to use it to destroy you, to bring your family down, to bring your purpose down. But I stopped by to tell somebody, this thing is going to turn on the enemy because brokenness on earth creates openness in the heavens. Some of you are in the fire right now. You're in a season where you've been broken, but you need to lift your hands and lift your voice and worship a whole right into the heavenlies and say, God, you are coming into my worship right now. Come up here, son. Get a chair. Come up here. Hallelujah. Watch this now. Isn't it amazing that these angels, they were a beaten work. 
They were a work, they were, they, they were not a cast work, but they were a beaten work. And see, the Bible says that they were a beaten work and they probably started off with their own agenda. They probably started off with their hands lifted, but they had to be beaten. They had to go through some things that would get them in position. So the, so the artesian would come with his hammer blows and he would hit them. And with every time that he struck them, he got them in position and he got them ready to worship. See, the devil thinks that the hammer blows of life are going to push you further away from God, but he doesn't know what you know, that the Lord is your source, and every time the devil hits you, all he does is teach you how to worship, and you get in position as a worshiper. And when you get in your position of worship, God gets in his position of mercy. And that's when miracles can happen in your life. I need somebody to get on your feet right now and give God a little bit of worship. God, why haven't I seen a change? Because you ain't worshiping. You've been complaining, but not worshiping. But God said, I'm gonna let everything you've been through get me in a position where I can help you, but you got to worship me right now. It's a mercy seat. Tell your neighbor, it's a mercy seat. Yes, it's the best seat in the house. It's a mercy seat, but only worshipers have access to it. Only worshipers can get to it. It's a mercy seat. You got the judgment of God on one side. Theologians tell us that one angel represents the judgment of God and one angel represents the holiness of God. How do you survive when you got the judgment of God and the holiness of God unless you get mercy in the middle? Now there's a mercy seat that gets between the judge. You about to feel this. Between the judgment of God and the holiness of God, you worship till mercy gets in the middle. I dare somebody right now worship up the best seat in the house. I never liked my trials, but my trials taught me to worship. I never liked my trouble, but my trouble taught me to worship. The devil don't know it is my struggle that has caused me to call on the name of the Lord. I'm gonna wait on you to worship the Lord. You, you can't worship unless you've been through something. But if you've been through something and you know what I'm talking about, why don't you worship the Lord right now? It's that worship that said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Devil, you think you're going to hit me? You think I'm going to quit? You think I'm going to walk away because she left me? You think I'm going to walk away because they talked about me? But all you did was get me in position and now I'm ready to worship. I'm lonely, but I'm worshiping. I'm crying, but I'm worshiping. I'm struggling, but I'm worshiping. And as long as I worship, you're gonna get in that mercy seat. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, I'm still worshiping. I'm still worshiping. I'm battered, but I'm worshiping.
I'm bruised, but I'm worshiping. I'm struggling, but I'm worshiping. Lord, thank you that you're using my struggle to teach me how to worship you. about to sit in your worship. God's about to sit down in your worship, but you gotta bless the Lord at all times. Stop saying it's my situation. I'll praise him if it's good. You bless the Lord at all times. He'll sit in a seat of mercy. He'll turn that thing around. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, go ahead. Somebody's running. Somebody's worshiping. Somebody's giving God glory. I don't care. I'm not going to stop you. Tell your neighbor, I'm coming out better. I'm coming out stronger. I'm coming. I got to shut my mouth. I'm coming out more like Jesus. I'm coming out with more power. I'm coming out more like him. I'm going to know him like I didn't know him before. I'm going to serve him like I've never served him before. Devil, you should have left me alone. I see people breaking through all over this room. I see people breaking through all over this room. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, go ahead, break through. Go ahead, break through. Your worship will produce your miracle. Your worship will produce your miracle. Do you remember the story of Paul and Silas? They're in a Philippian jail. They're in the inner prison. They're in the stinkiest, dirtiest part of the prison. But see, all Paul and Silas did was bring their battered wings of worship together and the glory of the heaven descended upon them to join them. Their worship created a mercy seat for God to come and sit on. And it got right between them, even in jail. And as they worshiped, they found an answer. As they worshiped, they got free. But not only did they got free, their worship was the recipe that God used to free everybody that was around them. The same jailer that put him in jail got saved. I'm trying to tell you that if you will worship, it might free somebody around you. Your children will get free. You've got to decide to worship. You've got to decide to give God glory. Nobody's gonna do it for you. You've got to do it. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. The best seat in the house is a mercy seat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm gonna worship until I see a mercy seat. I'm gonna worship until I see a mercy seat. 
see your worship will provide a seat for him to sit on and it will be the best seat in the house somebody's shifting right now somebody's journey is about to make sense right now you're going you, you gonna to say Lord I'm just going to trust you and you're going to turn this thing around I know I may not understand it but I'm coming through the fire I'm looking more like you my trouble is not turning me away from you It's turning me to you. I close with this. Job. You think you've had trouble? I think I've had trouble. Job had it all. Lost it all. Resources, land, relationships, family. Lost everything. shaves his head falls down and worship the Lord the Lord gives the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord I was noticing that story and it is a, isn't it amazing that the enemy was only able to touch Job after he got permission from God. The devil was causing trouble walking about to and fro doing what he does and bragging about how dark the world was and the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? He said, you put a hedge around him. It's all good with Job. You won't let me touch him. You surrounded him course he's going to love you. So the Lord allowed the enemy to touch him. But here's what I found out. The only time that the Lord will allow the enemy to touch you is when there's promotion on the other side of it. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing to me. When Job came through it, he came through it better than he was when he started. I prophesy that somebody is going to come out of your battle better. You're going to come out of your trouble better. But you got to worship right now. So I reckon I'm looking for some mercy seat worshipers. I'm looking for some mercy seat worshipers. I'm looking for some mercy seat worshipers. If you're a mercy seat worshiper, we're going to close this service. Listen, we've had a lot of people missing today because of the storm, but I believe God put exactly in here who he wanted in here. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm going to be that worshiper that worships the mercy seat into my presence, into my midst, because i got to have it. If that's you, come up here to the front right now. Come on. I want everybody that needs him. I want it, Only if you need him. Only if you need him. Only if you got to have him. Only if you got to have him. I want you to come right now. I want you to come and stand right now. I'm not laying hands on people. We just worship it. We just worship him today. 
How many of you can say, Pastor, I've been in that fire that you're talking about. I, I've, I've, been in, I've, I've endured those seasons that you're talking about. Here's what I want you to do across the room. Step up your hands right now. Sing, Pastor John. Come on, sing, son. This is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message.